Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, you're listening to the DPC podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things dead parent, the good the bad and the banter hosted by Sam and Kat. Anyway, Poppy, it's so good to meet you. <laughs> Where are you from? Give me your give me details. I'm from London. London. Um, London, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in West London and now I live in Brixton. Oh, lovely. Very nice. So edgy. So I'm on the edge, babe. So edgy. <laughs> I'm about to fall off the edge. <laughs> what do you do other than your incredible um, cut-out drawings? Yeah, that's, that is what I do. I, so I'm full-time illustrator and artist. Wow. So I do lots of workshops. Um, and, yeah, workshops. I make lots of commissioned artworks. And that's what, yeah, I spend my days doing. That is pretty awesome. I know, living the dream. Do you ever struggle, like, creativity-wise? Yeah. I've really, really struggled this year, definitely, with my creativity, because I just realised that my dad died. (laughs) I just realised. I literally just realised in January. So, yeah, it's been kind of hitting me on all sides, really. As in, like, that was... Like when you like realize just like internally, yeah, like... on a deep level, yeah, yeah. I, I, I basically had been just skipping through life, being okay, and yeah, this year I'm just sick of it. So I'm just gonna lean into the pain, lean into the grief, and just realize right that I'm gonna be okay. Yeah. Yes. Well, we'll definitely get more into that then. Yeah. yeah. I feel you. Mm. I mean, you, your work is incredible. Oh, thank so. you, thank you. It's so cool. It's amazing. I'm literally just scrolling through it all now. I'm like, yeah, scroll, it's just... babe. <laughs> scroll, it's babe. Really you do you, babe. <laughs> so smart. And obviously, through the Insta stalking, I realised that you kind of recently got married, which is oh awesome. yeah, I did, I did, yeah. Oh yeah, again, oh. You know, those days, those days, it is just like comes up again, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. Oh, so nice. Well, I'm absolutely buzzing for this. Okay, yeah, smash it out. (laughs) Smash it out. (laughs) I love the enthusiasm. So ideal. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm like this all the time. (laughs) So are we. (laughs) I'm really hyper. Everyone's like, wow, I don't ever want to see you on drugs. And I was like, I can't, I literally can't take drugs because I feel like I'm on drugs normally. That's what I say. I'm I'm bad enough, like, in day-to-day life or when I'm drunk. Like, nobody nobody needs to see that. I'm, like, on coke just through the air. And then everyone was like, maybe if you took coke, you'd become, like, really subdued and just, like... (laughs) That's boring. So (laughs) nobody needs that. I have it in my office. I come down again in the morning, and I'm like, "Morning, guys! Like, how you doing?" And everyone's like, "Oh my god, can you fuck off?" <laughs> yeah, we're ready to go. So true. Right. Well, we've had a little bit of an intro, so thanks for that. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get stuck right in. So, this is the DPC podcast. So you obviously have some connection to the DPC. So, how are you affiliated? How is your story? Um, well, my name is Poppy. I'm an illustrator um, and I live in London and my dad died. So I'm in your gang. 
Welcome. <laughs> Welcome aboard the gravy train. Thank you. Welcome to the grieving train. <laughs> so how long ago was that? Like, how old were you? I was 28 when he mm-hmm. died, and that was three years ago. Oh, so not long ago at all. No. Well, like I was saying, I've only just realised, so... <laughs> I love that. Like, I've literally only just realised that he's dead. I've only just realised that he's gone. Where is he? Should still be texting and everything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, hey, Dad, what's up? You haven't replied to me in a while. So yeah, ignoring me. <laughs> Things are getting pretty tough here. I could really do with some input from you. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. So what happened to your dad then? How did he die? So um, dad died from bowel, liver and lung cancer. Um, Yeah, a nice, he used to just go riddled with it. Mm. Um, And I guess it started that I got a phone call from his wife saying, I'm with your dad, he's in hospital um he's just been having kind of stabbing pains in his abdomen and I was like oh god do I need to come there now she's like no 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 it's it's fine you know I'm just letting you know where we are and then he called me the next day and was like yeah it's cancer and I've got three months to live and I was in my studio um luckily the person who I shared my studio with was not there at that time and I just was very cool on the phone I was like okay okay and you know let me know if you need anything all right then uh okay and he's like I'll speak to you soon and I literally just you know collapsed and was doing all the like crazy crying kind of dry like Um, and I remember like walking up and down the hallway being like when is someone else going to come out of their studio and give me a hug (laughs) because it was like um the studios were all separated by really thin kind of mdf walls and I was like how can nobody hear this mad crying just like give (laughs) Give me a hug give me a hug um and then he decided not to go ahead with any treatment um he said no chemo for me thanks and he then lived for two years uh after that diagnosis so um I've been listening to a few of your previous uh stories and Mm. a lot of people didn't get that time you know I remember one girl saying that he died like within two weeks and um having that time I think for me was like when the grieving started yeah yeah Um, so yeah really lucky to get those two years of of knowing it's the end and really savoring that time so but it's difficult so many pros and cons isn't there yeah I don't know I mean I I just think I would be so shocked if somebody was just like, oh, they're gone now. I, I mean, I, I can't, I guess I can't imagine it being any other way than how mm. it was for me. So for me, it's like, okay, dad, we're going to have a big party at yours for Christmas or like it's your <laughs> birthday, we're all going to go out, you know, everyone's coming over. And um, I think what I struggled with though is like keeping up that momentum for yeah. those two, two years because you find yourself going back and falling back into normality very quickly I think yeah absolutely absolutely you can't be on the edge of breakdown kind of every second you've got to work and you've got to maintain relationships and all that kind of thing so there is Mm -hmm. this manic level of like awful 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 fine 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 awful awful and um I did I decided to get therapy for those two years because I kind of knew that something was coming that I was not ready for. Mm. Um, So I went once a week and I just kind of uncontrollably cried and spoke about my dad in those times. So I did have that support, which I think I was glad that I knew that I needed that because I'm, I'm planning on going back. So, um, you know, it's like knowing, knowing that you need a bit of help and a bit of, talking to from from somebody who is a professional yeah it's great that you chose to go during that's such a good idea it's kind of like I think it's it's difficult approaching therapy afterwards yeah 
yeah a whole new in such a creepy place yeah yeah and you're like am I ready to go to therapy it's only been like a month or whatever so that's really good but like what were those first three months like then because that must have been like (laughs) I know we were like he's still going and he's still going and he's still going um it was it was manic because I had my first exhibition that was um, something that I'd put on myself, so not like an end-of-year show or something like that. And it was the week that he told me, I've got three months to live. And then I was like, but I've got my exhibition next week. (laughs) And I thought, oh, God, I'm going to have to cancel every... I'm going to have to... That's You know, I can't do that. And then I think your kind of rational mind kicks in, and I I maybe spoke to him or my mum or something, and they were like, you can absolutely do this. And I think dad said, I feel well enough to come. So I'll, I'll come to oh, it. And like the photos from from that, it's like um, my sisters, my dad, my mom, my granddad, my aunt, oh, my yeah. friends. And I was like, get a picture of this right now. <laughs> because this is like one of the moments that I will remember. And I kind of knew that at the time. Mm that this was going to be a moment to remember. And I I do, I look at those pictures all the time. So in the midst of like a huge thing for me, um, there was something just shitting all over me emotionally. (laughs) And I was like, I can, I can do it. I can do it. And, you know, I think you find that extra reserve of Mm. pain that you keep for like life or death situations. And you're like, okay, time to crack into the, you know, the resilience kryptonite, whatever it's called. But um, it was actually an amazing evening. Yeah. Yeah, I bet it was. I bet it was incredible. So how was your dad for those two years then? Was he quite hilarious? By the way, hilarious. Was he? Um, he was just like, oh, I got this new chair delivered. He's Scottish. I can't really do his accent. Okay. He got this chair <laughs> delivered. <laughs> oh, I got this chair delivered. Um, he was saying, I can't wait for the terminal version because that one wipes your ass. And I was like, <laughs> I was like wow, like, you're funny, man. Like, you're funny. This is funny. Um, so, yeah, he was he was up and down. I mean, he was in a lot of pain. Mm. but um, So he was doing these things where, like, the tumours in his liver and stuff, like, they would do, like, these shooting pains. So you'd be talking to him, and then he'd be like, Oh, oh God. And he'd be like, okay, then. Uh, um, and he's like, it's fine, and have a cup of tea and a choc ice and a sausage roll. Like a choc ice? <laughs> he, was, he was literally living his life. He was like, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go on my terms. Like, yeah. um, I have a sister who is the same exact age as me we're six months different we've got different mums oh wow um don't ask um (laughs) your dad was a badass yeah he was very (laughs) um but she would be like coming around with like the turmeric um and all the like natural things and dad was like no I want a fucking chalk eyes I think it was you know it was up and down he just wanted to do it his exact way which you know looking back on it I totally respect because he was never going to do it another way even though you know his wife and you know my sister had already lost her mum from from leukemia four years before um so I think she was very like look I've done this whole cancer malarkey. You've got to eat this. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. And he was kind of like, no. She just wanted to preserve his life for as long as possible. Yeah, and I think you, of course you do. Like, you know, um, yeah. and, you know, his wife, they, I've got a little sister as well. So she was eight at the time. So I think there is this like desire to be like, no, but you can do all these things. And he just wasn't, he, I think his key to staying happy and staying positive was like, 
look, these are the things I love and I'm not going out without a bang. Love that. Yeah. Inspo's. Death spell. Death spell. Death spell. Maybe that's a trick, though. Maybe the chalk ice is the trick to long life. Yeah. I also think it's so psychological. Like, he mm. was having parties with his friends. Like, a, his sister hired a Maserati and came and picked him up from the house. <laughs> and they went to his, all his favourite pubs in Soho. And I know, can literally, if I'm wrong, Sam, but I can imagine your dad being the kind of person where if somebody said no, he'd be like, this might be the last time. So, oh, um, yeah. Yes. yeah. He's like, <laughs> they know I'm sick. Can I come and stay in your castle yeah. in Scotland for the weekend? You know, love that. Like hosting a party yeah. every week, like it might be the last one. You never yeah. know. And I think the weird thing is, he lived his life like that anyway. Mm. So he'd always been like a lot of drink, a lot of drugs, everything. You know, that was his life. So I guess there's that thing about people don't change who they are in death. They're not going to suddenly be another person yeah they they are who they are and it probably is even magnified by not having that much time left yeah so were you with your current husband then at the time my who's band yep Um, I was yes yeah he's he's been on the journey with me yeah yeah I don't think do you think that makes you closer then as a couple (sighs) yeah I think so I think also he just he didn't change towards me at all. He was just like, mm. you're right. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, can't you treat me like a princess? Like, <laughs> he was just very, he was like my constant, I guess, because I think people change, don't they? They're, the way that they are around you suddenly becomes very like tiptoey and awkward and yeah. all these things. And he literally just treated me exactly the same. So I guess I felt like there wasn't much wrong with me, which was such a lovely way to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get much special treatment, but then at, sometimes I did really want it and I'd have a big cry and he would just hold me and kind of laugh because he yeah. couldn't believe the sounds coming <laughs> out, like these like death burps. Like, what was, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but, you know, you just sometimes you just need someone to hold you in those moments and not really say anything, you know, and he, he knew exactly how to do that. So I married him. Well, snaps to him. Yeah. D- did he propose to you when he was still alive then? No, no. This was all um, last year. Wow. He had a yeah. quick wedding, didn't you? Yeah. Love that. No messing about. Yeah. Get what you want, put it in the basket and walk out the top. (laughs) Don't pay. Don't pay. No, I love it. Everybody got time for that. Mm. I'm joking, I I do pay for my belongings. We pay. We do pay. pay. I am a good person, I swear. Um, How was it with your sister? Were you close with her at the time then? Was that like an ally in grief? Was it ally and grief or was it like opposite? That was, yeah, absolute um, the person I could turn to um, because we're so close in age and um, she'd been through this huge loss um, just four years before and I'd been with her and her mum as Joanne died. So we were surrounding her bed and you know, it was the first time someone that I knew really well had died in front of me. And, you know, I'd literally seen my sister speaking to her, her last words and going, mom, I love you. I love you. And you can go and it's going to be okay. And I'm so proud of you. And I was just like, Jesus. Wow. Um, So I had experience of that kind of intense sadness, but someone you can talk to I guess what you guys are for each other like joke about it and have somebody that totally just gets where you are yeah and what to do and um she'd organized her mum's funeral and it was incredible and um our dad had come to that and he said you know when I go I want you to to organize that just I want it just like that 
so she'd had this amazing funeral with a cardboard coffin that everyone had signed with messages um and that is yeah that's what we did for dad's funeral and um we tried to make it as much and you know my sister was like well I've done it all before you basically get the flower letters here and you get the um you can order a double decker bus from here Um, (laughs) what did you get that for oh so we had um for dad's funeral we had two big red buses that took people from the um oh god what's it called where is it the creme where they get the creme yeah Mm. from the creme to the wake um So we had two buses that said, like, Jock Scott on the front. Oh, that's epic. And, um, yeah, they took everyone, and it was so weird. It was so weird that, like, where we were where we had been to where we were going was like the whole of my dad's life like we went down the road that he kind of lived on and then Camden Town and all the places that he hanged out and it was just like oh my god I'm literally on some weird space bus through life that was so cool though yeah it was Um, amazing I want a double-decker bus when I die yeah and then apparently on Twitter, people were taking pictures of the bus that were like, oh, my God, is that Jock's bus? I know Jock, um, blah, blah, blah. And Because we were going through all his kind of old stomping oh. grounds. People were being like, oh, God, Poppy, I saw Jock's bus go past. I just, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. That is phenomenal. Yeah. It yeah. was you know, sometimes, I think, um the funeral for me was so important and it has been a really healing full stop after all of those years of pain and worry and all that stuff and you know my sister and his wife and you know all his friends just put something together which was you know one of my proudest moments for people to see him how I saw him and um my dad didn't have much money and I was like, you know what? You're going to get a massive send off. It's going to be huge. And I'm going to email everyone that you've ever met. And I'm going to ask them for money. <laughs> and I think we raised like £6,000 for the wow. wake. Um, and we hired Bethnal Green Working Men's Club, which is like incredible bar that has like this big heart in neon on the stage. And we had balloons and flowers and everything so we really kind of pushed the boat out and I was like now that is what you deserve that sounds absolutely epic you'd actually you'd actually want to and it felt like he was there you know it was like oh I bet he's at the bar (laughs) and you know he had um he had a a friend of his called Shane McGowan who's a singer in the Pogues and he kind of just turned up and put like loads of money behind the bar and was like, free bar, you know, just mad, totally yeah. mad. Oh, I wish I was there. I'll invite you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> how, how old was your dad? He was 64, I think. Oh, okay. Oh, bless yeah. you. Bloody hell. I know. It's it's cool. Cruel, cruel, cruel. Too cool. young. Too, Too young. young. 100% too young yeah definitely you see you've got a sister that what she was eight at the time she was eight yeah she's 11 now um oh my heart I know and I think that's been a huge kind of oh god just like trying to talk to a child about grief mm. and seeing a child grief in that grieve in their own um way is so mm particular I think for a child so yeah it must be hard when you're young because you haven't got the words to describe how you're feeling properly no not at all and and the and no one talks about it you know again like the whole mother's day father's day thing like they make cards at school yeah you know father's day today we're gonna make father's day cards like what how does that work Oh, God, that much makes me feel a bit sick. So I think of her, you know, I think of her in that school environment, especially mm-hmm. where it's like, so what does your mum do? Or what does your dad do? Your daddy do? Mm. And you're kind of expected to have parents at eight, you know, 
it's kind of, yeah you know just in the general world I mean I feel like I'm expected to have a parent I like in my 30s, so. yeah 100% they are everyone everyone just accepts it mm. I'm kind of I'm kind of wondering what that age is where people start actually being like oh maybe they don't actually have both of them I reckon like 50s god lucky bastards that's in my mind in my mind I would expect like my mum to maybe not have parents like Mm -hmm. the generation above the generation above yeah because they're all like 70 80 90 and you could just fall over and die so yeah you just never know when it's gonna hit you then (laughs) god yeah it is I my heart goes out to her that must be really really difficult for yeah so I pick her up from school every week um on a Thursday and you know I try and speak about him a lot but I can I can tell it's really painful for her so when she's older you know I reckon teenagers that is something that will you know the curiosity I guess around it yeah wanting to know more about him yeah and that's when I can really be there for her and, and support her in that yeah it's nice that she's got you and your sisters that's lovely yeah yeah do you have any male siblings at all, or is it just the girls? No, it's three girls. Yeah, three girls. Does that represent your dad's life very well, then? Yeah, I love the ladies, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so fab. So, like, can you remember then, now, like, what the most helpful thing that somebody did or said was, kind of around the time, because... Yeah. I imagine your sister must have been really helpful, obviously, because she'd kind of been there, done that. But. Yeah, she's great. She um, And also her relationship to my dad was slightly different to mine. Mm. Um, she found out he was her dad when she was six. Um, so it was slightly different connection. She'd never lived with him and she'd always been very close to her mum. That was her kind of ride-or-die relationship. And then... Mm. Um, for me, it was like my parents broke up when I was four and then, you know, just visiting my dad all the time. That was kind of my life was kind of going to see him and catch up and things like that. So she had this standpoint where she, her world hadn't fallen apart. I think that had really happened with her mum. Yeah. So she'd almost felt that deep pain. So she could just really be there for me in a way that we weren't both on the floor you know she was like it's gonna be okay not the thing is it's never really okay is it but she was just there for me in this incredible way and also my mum really she's like a death doula in my mind (laughs) it's like whenever anyone's ill they're like Anna will you come and you know speak to my friend because she again is she's so emotional and caring and it's not embarrassing nothing is off topic so oh fab that's such a good support to have yeah so I think those two for me were like and also they love they love dad as much as I love dad so Mm. they could be like oh do you remember that time and also they were sad too so like you know my mum would have a cry and then I'd give her a hug and she'd just be like just miss him so much and you know there was that lovely thing of being like oh god other people are upset as well yeah (laughs) and Mm -hmm. You know, comforting them allows you to comfort yourself, I guess. Um, so I wasn't on my own, and I think that was a, an amazing thing, as we could all be there for each other. Mm, it's so important. Mm. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's funny, really, because I think it's fun, like it's amazing the way that a lot of people, like some people seek solace and support yeah. in their families and other people can't find it in their families and have, yeah. to, and have to try and source it from elsewhere, don't they? Like, yeah, preach. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you created a podcast where you where you force people yes. to talk to you about. Yeah. <laughs> nice I'm one. so alone in my grief. I need to create a community. <laughs> do you have any people around you that have lost parents that you kind of talk to about it? Or do you are you kind of one of the only people out of your friendship group and stuff that it's happened to? Well, I was thinking about this because before dad died I there was such an innocence I guess around people that haven't lost a parent and I remember at uni there was like um a guy that had lost his dad and a friend of mine had lost her dad but it was nothing was ever mentioned or spoken about um and I kind of saw them as these like unicorns that I didn't quite know how to approach Mm. and whenever I'd see them I'd think oh god imagine not having a dad or something and but I never spoke to them openly and asked them about it so I guess since I've experienced it myself I've literally been this is since January by the way so the two the two actually three years of pretending it didn't happen and then now in January I've been like hang on I know that this girl has lost her dad I know that this yeah. person has lost Emma how am I going to create a community of my friendship group an extended friendship group that can socialize and speak about death because I know these people and I've never asked them about it and um and we can be there for each other. So I've started this community um, called Grief Case where we meet each month and we read, uh, you know, poetry, lyrics, um, oh. extracts from books as a kind of gateway into talking about, you know, how we've dealt with our grief and, and loss and things like that. So uh, I didn't realise that that was run by you. Yeah, that's me. That's me. I just started it two weeks ago <laughs> on Instagram anyway. Yeah. But we've, um, yeah, the last, we've had two meetings so far and then we've got our third one is coming up soon. How have they, how have they been then? What have they been like? Because I love, um, I always talk about this in our podcast, uh, people that listen to this weekly must be like, bloody hell again. But um, <laughs> I love like the idea of poetry and writing and stuff to cope with your grief and anything creative. Yeah. I think so therapeutic yeah that's what I've been trying because as a creative person I've been trying to work grief into my work more and Mm. create artworks that I feel we don't see we don't see pictures of people grieving of holding each other of like I made that dead dad club paper cut which I think is where we found each other Um, and literally it got over a thousand likes. It got like almost 200 comments. And I was like, Jesus Christ, where have all these people come from? Because before that moment, I didn't know that there was a grief community. It's insane. Yeah. So to make something that I was basically making for my sisters and I, because we were like, Oh, we're in the dead dad club. And it was a way to get our younger sister into feeling included in something that was actually, so awful like don't worry we're in this together we're in our own little club so I made a paper cut just kind of to show them solidarity and and for myself just to make artwork around how I'd been feeling and the response was just outrageous Mm. and people were like you need to listen to this you need to look up these people there's this thing called death cafe you should go to that and I was just like oh my god there's a way out of this like it was that artwork for me was like the light at the end of the tunnel where this all started. Opened a massive door of just Blood like gates were open. Yeah, like like green friends, like hey, <laughs> and people started writing their stories underneath, and I was just like, oh my god! And they'd be like, member since this date, member since this date, and um, I just thought, wow, I can actually 
make artwork around this, write poetry around this yeah. and give that to other people as an access you know, when you feel mute, you feel alone and you feel mute and you don't know how to express it. And I just thought, no, 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 no. I'm going to lean into this pain and I'm going to bring everyone with me and we're going to talk about it. Yes, absolutely. Love that. Yeah, I love that as well. Like, I like the point about like people sharing their stories. I think so often people are just, they're just waiting for an excuse to talk about it. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. everyone wants to, but everyone just feels like they can't. So to open up that gateway for someone to just be like, this is what happened to me. It's amazing. It's so true. It's been, it's, it has really changed because I, I feel like since I kind of had this realisation of, oh, okay, dad died. <laughs> um, oh, shit. <laughs> Uh, the kind of darkness enveloped me and I felt so sad and so down and people couldn't really understand why because it was three years later mm-hmm. um, and just connecting making that artwork and then connecting to all these people were emailing me hi when can we come to one um, you know I want to find out more about the poetry and can it be my own or can I bring something else? And I was like, bring what you want, babe. Mm. Um, Cause my dad was a poet, which is where I got the inspiration is he was so self-expressed in his writing that I was like, I became obsessed with my dad. You know, once you realize that they've gone, yeah. I like reading everything that he'd written, I was like, God, he's actually really good. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to write poetry. I wonder what it's like to write poetry. Ooh. And I kind of, wanted to enter his world because I felt really close to him in those moments so it's kind of grown from that memory of of him and when I see people who've read a poem read it in front of me it's like god dad would be so proud yeah yeah there's something just incredibly kind of raw and open and honest but also so brave about it it's like, so personal, isn't it? Yeah, it is the most personal thing. Um, but I find myself doing it at night when I can't sleep. Yeah. I'll just end up writing a few lines of like, kind of like how I'm feeling and stuff. And yeah. sometimes I wake up the next day and I'm like, fuck me, that's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you've got it out. Do you know what I mean? It was swirling around in your exactly. head. And you can write it in a book and then shut the book. And there is some kind of process of having let that thought go. Um, yeah. just by writing it down because it's come out hasn't it so yeah it's 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 been amazing I have got a poem here oh, <laughs> yes. um, that I wrote about my dad's funeral and kind of you know, scattering his ashes and stuff and it, it's the first thing that I've written um, so I would you like me to read it please <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, called living legend because that's what he called himself and then I thought it was really funny because he's actually not living um, he's like John Scott the living legend and I'd be like well maybe I should call it that because it's a, it's a kind of paradox isn't it yeah okay well here we go Pin a bow of tartan upon my tartan dress. Pick up the broken pieces, tie a bow around the mess. They burnt you on a Sunday in your simple cardboard box, tattooed with all our notes to you to turn back all the clocks. I'll love you forever was all I could think to say, a sharpie on a piece of cardboard soon to burn away. The kids drew all around your head so casual and calm. Stars and hearts and smiles, they said, to keep you safe from harm. People hugged me, hundreds maybe, who I hardly knew, looked deep and hard into my eyes, reminding them of you. Then I saw the piper there, in front where I was heading. The last time that I'd heard him play was proudly at your wedding. We hung a rampant lion flag and spelt your name in flowers, remembered all the words you wrote, reciting them for hours. You hung there in the air with us, propped up by the bar, heartbroken by the thought of not quite knowing where you are. We took you back to Scotland and broke into the races, scattered along the finishing line, I got you on my laces. Took you to the ocean, back to Portobello Beach, the sea again inside my boots, and you still out of reach. 
That's beautiful. That is amazing. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh my god! I love that. I love in that the most. Um, when you put you hung there in the air with us, propped up by the bar. Yeah. Heartbroken by the thought of not quite knowing where you are. Yeah. I love that because it's it's so true, and I think that's something that never quite goes away. Um, particularly when you're with family, it's yeah. you feel their presence there a little bit. Though I went through a phase of being like, but where is he though? Like, where yeah. has he gone? And I'd say it all the time, and people would look at me like I was insane. I was like, but you don't understand. Where's my dad? Mm. It's when people say to you, he's still here with you, and it's like but they're not, so where? Yeah, I, get, I, mean, I, get, I get the spiritual vibey vibe, yeah. vibe of like, he's still with you. And I, I also, at the same time, do feel that too. But there mm. was just like a really basic weird logic of the only person that has been there the whole time, you know, in your life, like your parents, they are, they're always there. Yeah, they're your one solid constant thing aren't they yeah and I think it's like your brain trying to there's that bit of your brain has never had to work before which is I don't know the answer to that question he's not here you know like literally just can't understand it whatsoever no no, I found it even though obviously you know they're dead they're ashes they're in the ground whatever but it is like where is yeah there's there there's such a weird missing feeling that I feel like it takes a long time for your head to kind of explain to your body and your mind and everything. Oh, a hundred percent. It's like, it is, it is like a hole and it, you literally like, you can't fill it. Um, I'm trying yeah. to find, trying to find something that I shared on Instagram. It's been so, so long ago. Death. It's like the middle of a donut, a hole that you can't fill. <laughs> <laughs> That, that does the job I think <laughs> I love those inspirational quotes because you can almost do like joke versions of them because sometimes you're like really sad and depressed and you're just like here's my yeah. crap version like when you guys were doing roses are red violets are blue my 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 dad is dad. <laughs> <laughs> and yours is too that's I my favorite that. I was like wow, when these girls are poets too <laughs> one of one of the lads from work um screenshotted that after we'd posted it and he's like fuck me cat this made me stop scrolling through my instagram feed and I was like, well, and like i hope you double tapped <laughs> um, i can't find what it was but i can remember it a little bit it was like um it's like filling it's like a tree root trying to grow through concrete Oh god! And like it kind of, wow. kind of it, it like we weaves its way around it, and you can't quite fill yeah. the hole anymore. But you weave your way around it and fill it the best you can, but with something new. Um, I wish I could say it properly because it actually sounded much better when I read it. Um, but I know what you mean though. That like the premise when you see the roots going around, and they yeah. can't, and they almost create their own new shape, don't they? Around yeah. it, but it's not. Yeah, it's not it's impenetrable yeah exactly but yeah it's it's bloody brutal and it's shit it's brutal it? shit everyone Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> it's <brutal and> shit. <laughs> that's how you should open your podcast yeah literally that's what that's what like the Macmillan nurses should say to you and I think that um there's a lot of grief community stuff that is very like it's going to be okay and I feel like it's okay to be really brutal as well like Mm. that it isn't going to be and I feel like that's what you guys do so well here is like the actual reality of pain and and what that's like to deal with because you can say oh you know it will get better it will get better and one day one day it will all be fine and but I think it's actually more helpful to talk about the reality of people's experience which exactly. I find more inspiring like I couldn't get off the floor because I was so sad or you know I feel depressed and suicidal or whatever it is yeah. that people are feeling it's like it's no it's knowing that you're not alone in how you're feeling like you're not you're yeah. not just like 
suffering alone that there's other people that actually understand where you're coming from and I think grief can be so isolating and um you think because the thing is it, it is individual to you like the way I felt about my dad that is that is only mine right um and it's not the same as my sisters and not the same as my mum's and not the same as his wife. So then there is an element of like, no one knows how I feel, but then everyone is feeling that. <laughs> so then there's like the universal thing of like, once you realize everyone is feeling secluded alone on their own feelings, but then something bigger is happening that, you know, most people are, are dealing with that. Mm. I find myself really craving the presence of people that have lost someone or been through that kind of grief because there is a way that you go about your life and a way that you treat people that I think is slightly different from others because yeah. it just changes you so much. And I find myself, I have deeper conversations and more meaningful conversations with people that have been through some sort of grief or some sort of trauma. And you cut, you cut really you cut the crap out don't you when you meet someone like so what do you do and are you successful and all that kind of weird I'm like are you in grief are you heartbroken have you just been dumped like what is the reality of your situation mum always says I just want to ask people what's the worst thing you've ever been through (laughs) (laughs) that's that perfect conversation starter I'm like, tell me what the shittest thing that's ever happened to you is, and then we'll talk about that. <laughs> I love that. I'd love to meet you guys in a bar. I'd be like, Hi. <laughs> I'm like, here's the egg bar. <laughs> oh my god, I don't drink. Coca Cola bomb. Have a Coca Cola bomb. Yeah, done. Moving on swiftly on from that. Mm. Um. To be fair, more kind of life questions, really, because I found that my relationships with my friends changed an awful lot. Like, kind of like I said before, you do change as a person when something like this kind of happens to you. And especially when you kind of find yourself thinking, shit, I'm actually in a really shit place and I need to change the way that I'm going about my life to get through this a little bit. Yes, yeah. Like, how has that kind of affected your relationships then with your friends and the people that were around you before and the people that are around you now that you're kind of in this place where you're like, crap, my dad's dead. I think um, over the last three years of um, since my dad died, I have been smashing my work in half like it's been like the most successful I've done I released a book you know I've I've literally been I've shoved myself into work like I go to the studio at the weekend and um I think because success in a way equals that you've got shit handled Mm. um a lot of people didn't think that there was much wrong and also I didn't because I was in denial so um I guess I haven't really asked much of my friends yet until recently when I've been like will you come to grief case and and talk about this or you know I've I've been in such a dark dark place which luckily I'm I'm kind of emerging from with kind of forcing myself into talking about it and being open about it and that it's okay um but yeah my friends have been amazing but again I haven't I haven't kind of had those big breakdowns yet I've kind of had those more with with my mom or with my sister um but I remember I had a friend who was like a good friend but not my best best friend and I think you know the couple of months after my dad died she'd just call me every day um and she hadn't lost anyone but she was like how do you feel like what does it feel like for like and I was like whoa um I love how straightforward she's being and not significant and also just the regularity of I felt like anything that I said was just interesting to her rather than painful and awkward she was just interested she was like are you okay like how can I help you and um that brought us so much closer together like um 
she was also going through her own stuff, which I think might have been why she was so open to my pain as she was also going through something very personal. Yeah. Um, and then I had other friends that had like just met a boyfriend and they were like, oh my God, like he really fancies me. And I was just like, please stop talking. <laughs> um, so I think it's also timing as well for your friends. Like some people are in a place to comfort you and some people, the timing of their life might mean that something else is going on that kind of yeah. trumps that for them. And I think that's hard because it's just the timing rather than that they're a bad person, but then you view them as like, God, she was really, she was not there for me when that happened or whatever. Um, But I haven't like fallen out with anyone or kind of lost people through this process. Cause I think I've been luckily quite open about it. Like if somebody's annoying me, I'll be like, I'm really sorry, but like my dad's died and I don't really want to. I love that. So true. So true. It's but it's definitely me. It's made me a more honest person. I think yeah. with regards to just kind of being like, I just kind of don't really want to have to deal with this right now. I don't want to have to talk about it. Like, can you and your situation re- be removed from my space just for a bit, and we'll <laughs> we'll reconvene at a later date. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think it takes confidence as well to kind of just be like actually I can say what I'm thinking and I think grief sometimes takes your filter away a bit so you're just like shut up yeah (laughs) (laughs) it 100% does it 100% does I love this um so I suppose we've kind of talked about it but do you think there's anything that you significantly changed in your attitude towards like life itself like is it more like a do you know what fuck it we're all gonna die so let's just go for it or I don't know like how has your attitude towards it changed I think you know that you'll never be the same Mm. um I was reading some Philip Larkin poem that was actually about like the first world war or something but there's a line that goes never such innocence never before or since and I suddenly thought oh my god Mm. that's me before my dad died um I think you see the world I think you become a realist a bit more like, um, you know, when, when friends, like I have a friend who's really unwell with cancer at the moment. And I, I feel like I'm being a little bit too straightforward with her friends. Like, okay, well, I'm asking this question. I'm asking that question. They're like, she's gonna be fine. Um, and I think, yeah, maybe around illness as well. There's a bit more reality. Like people don't always make it out. And that's fine. But so I don't know. Yeah, there's something a bit more. But I'm I feel like I'm like that in in other situations like friendships. I don't want those crap friends. No, that's not happening. (laughs) Like filtering people out um, and also being really straightforward with what you want. Mm. Because this is your life and I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. And I always say that. And people are like, oh, that's horrid. They mentioned that we could die. And I'm like, are you planning to live forever? Because I'm not. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there is just a kind of brutal realism that I think comes with experiencing a lot of loss. Um, And also like, oh God, this sounds so stupid, but like, I really spend a lot of time like staring into the trees and like spending time in nature. Like at the moment, everything's blossoming and mm. oh God, I just look at the blossoms and I think like, oh, hey, dad. That's so funny. I was, doing? I was in my car yesterday. My friend was in the car and I was driving and they were talking. I just went, wait there one second. I was like, look at all the blossom on the trees. Isn't it lovely? And they were like, all right, thanks, Kat. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, seriously, it's beautiful like look at it it's incredible yeah and I think there's like wanting to connect on a deeper level to the world as well and I think that's where like spending time in nature just like taking your shoes off lying in the grass looking at the sky and also you want to connect with that person that isn't there anymore and I feel Mm. like nature is such a kind of amazing way to to feel part of the bigger picture as well so Mm. um 
yeah, I always stare at Blossom. That's a new thing. And also just like, oh, fuck, that tree looked dead. That tree outside my window looked dead for the whole of winter. And now it looks amazing. And now it's blooming. Everything's possible. I can blossom. You can blossom. We can blossom. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. I so rate that. For me, right, it's the sky. is this with or without cloud i I mean i don't (laughs) when it's a bit gray it's a bit but when there's like clouds kind of floating along and you see the blue sky and oh my god i could just watch it for hours yeah really just really just rate the sky a lot (laughs) it's mental isn't it because i didn't i didn't have it in this with the same significance at all before and i think that is where something amazing does come out of grief and seeing life not be there anymore um there is an appreciation a hundred percent which some of the more innocent people in your life are just like oh my job shit or oh Mm. this and that I'm like wow I've been just like celebrating a tree for the last 15 minutes (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) Total tree huggers, but hey. yes, I was just thinking you need, you need to do a, a paper cut of a tree hugger for an. Oh year. my god, my mum is all like, oh god, she if she sees a big tree, there is no stopping that lady. <laughs> she does it like where we hold hands around the big trunk. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. That's so funny. Mental. Oh, life. Hey. I think it's it's one of those things that comes with with the good and the bad. Like you, we see the bad and we kind of absorb it in quite a realistic way, and we think, yeah, that might happen. Yeah, that's that's really shit. Blah blah blah. But then we see things that are beautiful and that are good, and we have this insane amount of appreciation and love for it. Like yeah. you've got two complete ends of the spectrum, haven't you? And it's like, ah, oh, I feel like your emotions are just so much more heightened than they were yeah. before. Yeah, you've been to the depths. I guess I guess grief reveals a depth of feeling mm. that you didn't know you had. So mm. hopefully you can use that same depth for like enjoying good things too. Exactly, exactly. I don't know if you've seen it, but on the Ricky Gervais um, oh, Afterlife. Movie. Of course, babe. Amazing. I'm so glad you've I seen it. I loved it. Have you seen it now? Yeah. Oh, Sam no, hasn't seen it. No. No. I also, I've, I've actually just moved into a new flat, so I don't have a telly or anything yet on Netflix. or So I need to, I need to get back. I can't wait to watch it, Sam. I can, honestly it's cannot wait. It's that bit when he says um, he just like wants to make his little corner of the world a little bit better. Yeah. And I was like, yes. like, And do that's you, exactly kind of like what it's like. Do you think he's lost somebody? Oh, in in his life? Yeah, I just, because I, I like mm-hmm. Google his wife and then she's alive. And then I was just like, where is he getting this from? Because I even feel like his performance. It's incredible. Is, like he's, he's wells up a lot in it, which I don't automatically associate with, with his acting, right? Because he's yeah. hilarious. So when you see him there, and he must have got that kind of that pain from somewhere because something is so realistic about the grieving process Mm. and that pain, and just respect to him because it's on Netflix and loads of people are watching it. So it's it's amazing. Yeah, death is coming. I'm loving loving it. It's getting brought up so much in work, and I'm like, yes, death. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Absolutely loving it. It's so good. Um, so well, I think we'll um, end it with our hero question that we love asking people because everyone's answers are always like, a little bit different. Um, what would you say to somebody else now that's experienced something similar to you? And I think especially with regards to how you're kind of only just feeling it really deeply now. Uh, I think the advice that I would give is that however lonely you feel that this is a universal experience that people will go through mm-hmm. and there's a community out there. Again, I had no idea. So I wouldn't have been able to listen to this podcast mm-hmm. to know that that was like advice to be given. Do you know what I mean? But um, yeah. that there is support and 
I found such comfort in that. And if there isn't support near you, create it. Like I've just created something with my friends that I'm hoping will grow and has been so beneficial. So um, I think just sharing yourself, share that pain um, and also take time because I didn't have those big cries like I remember it been like a year and I hadn't really cried about it and I was like okay I'm gonna play that song that makes me cry um and I'd get my dad's ashes that were in the small little mango mango wood jar and I'd put it on my belly and I'd listen to this song that I knew was gonna make me cry and I'd cry for like five minutes and then I'd put it back and I'd be like, well, I guess that's, you know, I've had a cry now. Please proceed. Good. Uh, carry on. But I, I knew that I wanted to get in touch with my sadness, but it, it didn't come until it until it came. Mm. Um, so if I remember saying to my sister, do you feel anything? Like, I literally feel nothing. And she was like, babe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, you know, everyone's process is totally different share yourself know that there's no right way around Mm. what you're feeling and what I would be like is like draw pictures write poems um even if it's just for yourself not to share just allow your thoughts to come out of you in some way um I remember I think it was Laura saying that she wishes that she'd done the stand-up um sharing her poems that she'd written like Costa or something um I think just like challenging yourself to show the world who you are and what you're feeling I think that is like the way forward in the healing process and I think that's why this podcast is so important and I so admire what you guys are doing um Mm. so yeah follow follow the grief case at the grief case which is me Yes, give all of your deets, yeah, so your personal one and your yeah. grief one. So my illustration work, my paper cut illustrations is at Poppy's Paper Cuts and um, at the grief case for all things death. Um, that I started that two weeks ago, so that's more of a new a new venture. But I just think if you can share stuff that that helps people and allows people to feel reflective and listened to in that moment then god you know that's something that you've got to got to do yeah it's so special yeah absolutely also i really want to come to a grief case meeting oh my god we'll get out of australia (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i would love you guys to come if you're ever in london how often how often do you plan on on, um doing them so i'm gonna do it every month until i die (laughs) fantastic and then Um, someone else will continue and just talk about your death yeah (laughs) (laughs) i just i know that it's something that i need for for my healing i can do therapy and that's on my own and all that kind of stuff Mm. but there's something about seeing other people express themselves for the first time or you know, people who've lost their parents 10 years ago, but have never spoken about it. It's just something that I think needs to happen. It needs to be normal and social, like, oh, can I take your number? Because I also lost my mum when I was pregnant, or, you know, somebody that literally knows her experience. Exactly, but she hasn't got anyone to talk to about it. So 100%. It's just, it's so... I just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fascinated why it's not more of a socially accepted thing to meet people and talk about death. And yeah, I want to make some sort of contribution mm. to that. All of our Southern listeners, go and follow the grief case and check out when the next one is. Ooh. I spend a fair bit of time in London as well, so I'll keep an eye on the dates as well. So hopefully one time they'll align. Yeah, you amazing. Know. Let me know. I might even share some of my own depressive poems. Oh, yes! You know <laughs> I'm going to love that. <laughs> if you want to cry, then listen to me. Yeah, amazing. Oh, well, thank you so, so much for coming on. Pleasure. I can't believe it's it's become real. It's all kind of happened quite quickly. Yeah. Um, the time flies by, doesn't it, when, when you do this kind of thing as well? It 
becomes a really easy conversation and it's so weird because you can't see each other but I know. you feel like you feel like you're in a room talking and it's so nice thank you so much for listening to this week's dpc podcast we hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have and have found some comfort in the stories that you've heard today if you've resonated with anything we've said have any questions or want to get involved please do contact us we're on instagram it's at dpc podcast you can email us on dpcpodcast at hotmail.com or we have a contact form on our website www.dpcpodcast.co.uk We have a whole bunch of resources over on our website more information about dealing with grief losing a parent and professionals to contact if you should need it because as Kat so eloquently said in our first podcast we're not providing healthcare we're just chatting shit (laughs) If you think this podcast could help someone, then we would love for you to share it. We upload new podcasts every week, so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. Loads of love from Sam and Kat. See See you you next Tuesday. Tuesday. Nailed it. Nailed it. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.